Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I state your name. Do you solemnly swear? To support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and to bear true faith and allegiance to the same. Then I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of those officers appointed over me according to regulations and uniform code of military justice. So help me God. Thank you listeners for tuning in for another episode of the American Vet Podcast. I have the luxury of sitting here with Dave. Dave was in the Navy. He served from 2003 to 2009 as an air warfare systems operator. How you doing there, Dave? Doing great. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So Navy, why, uh, why the military at all in general? Yeah. I've been thinking about that a bit recently. Um, especially since uh, we had the anniversary recently for September 11th. Um, so I was in high school, uh, in 2001, um, you know, when that happened and, you know, that was, you know, I'd I'd say that was like a lot of people, that was the main thing that really got me, you know, going to the recruiter office and and checking it out. Had a number of friends that were also joining uh, around the same time. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of the thing to do in high school. <laughs> yeah, I was either. Yeah, because you didn't want to live at your mom and dad's house the rest of your life, right? Right, exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> there was kind of the idea of, of college, and but that just kind of seemed crazy at the time. You know, I think with the things going on, uh, it, you know, there was the idea, you know, go to college, then eventually you could join the military. That was one thing that you know, my parents were trying to get me to do. Right. But it just, you know, it seemed a little crazy to, w- with everything that was happening to, you know, to wait that four years and then join when I could just go right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might as well. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. So why, why the Navy and not like uh army or the Marine Corps or anything? Yeah. So that was one thing I, I think I kind of got lucky with. Um, <laughs> I was really into aviation at the time. Okay. Um, so I was in, you know, California, there was a small airport in Hollister, California that I used to go to kind of on the weekends. Uh, I, my, I ended up driving out there, uh, one day just to kind of take a, like a solo, uh, flight okay. one day and, uh, you know, just go up on a, it was actually a glider. Um, and it ended, ended up, uh, kind of joining this like group of, it was kind of like Boy Scouts almost, but for, you know, aviation. Oh, okay. uh, it was really, yeah, it was, it was really kind of a cool group that, you know, rather than having to pay a ton of money to go and, you know, learn how to fly, I would basically do chores around the airport, uh, kind of push around planes, uh, yeah. you know, mow the lawn, that sort of thing. And, you know, pilots every once in a while, they'd be like, Hey, you want to go up for our flights? And instructors would kind of give you some free time for doing chores around the airport. Uh, oh, wow. so I ended up getting ended up getting my license that way and just kind of really falling in love with aviation. And I knew I wanted to do something like that. And I ended up, you know, just looking around at, you know, jobs that are available to the enlisted. Um, the Navy had uh, one of the best jobs for that, the AW, uh, job. Um, you know, you would normally think, you know, air force or immediately when you think, uh, you know, air crew, yeah. Um, well, they definitely have the, the easiest job at least not, maybe not the best, <laughs> but the easiest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, and I wasn't in the air force. So I, I don't, I'm not, I don't know all the details of it. Um, right. but kind of what I was looking to do was kind of be part of a, of an air crew. And so there, and the air force has the job, you know, load master where you're, that's extremely important job. Um, where you're kind of working on, on, on loading, you're worried about logistics, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, and the AW job I found really interesting was, you know, and just reading about it online, I knew nothing about the Navy. I knew nothing about any of this, just kind of reading the details of it and talking to the recruiter, uh, seemed like a really interesting job where you're, 
you're working, it's basically anti-submarine warfare uh, where you'd be an operator on the crew where you're kind of working together to yeah. hunt a submarine or, you know, do a couple of different, there's a couple of different missions uh, that AWs do. Okay. Um, so you kind of have a wider range of opportunity there on the aviation side, which for an enlisted job, you know, in the military, that was really interesting. It was a great experience. It ended up getting lucky there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was motor T uh, in the Marine Corps and I just uh, picked up troops and uh, stuff and brought it from one place to the next. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that would have been awesome for me to try to do something like that with uh, more, um, like you were saying, variety of uh, things to do and stuff to play with and destroy and stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. you live out and now you now you live in Washington state when you join the Navy or did you live somewhere else? Uh, so I'm from uh, Fremont, California. Okay. Um, so from the Bay Area, uh, which is yeah where I went to high school and where I joined from. I was okay. I was just looking at my DD two fourteen just to refresh all the dates so I joined out of the Mountain View. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you go to boot camp for Navy out there in, in California? Is it still in California? or They ship you off somewhere? It used to be. Uh, it so you know a number of years before I joined, it was in San Diego. Uh, and so when I went, the only Navy boot camp is, uh, was in Great Lakes, Illinois. Okay. So oh, that's okay. where I ended up going. Yep. All right. Did you, uh, did you have fun in boot camp or? I don't think anyone <laughs> has fun in boot camp. <laughs> I'm waiting to get it. I'm waiting for somebody to come on the show and be like, yeah, actually I had, I had a blast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I joined at a really interesting time. I think I may have joined, gotten the boot camp at the worst time possible. So I left on october 28th so just before kind of the holiday season kicked off there yeah and the cold so I, yeah the cold for sure was one thing <laughs> uh the other thing was just like everyone was on vacation so we showed up and they were just like you know you can't do your medical examinations for onboarding and that sort of thing for another two weeks because uh you know there's uh, there was some sort of vacation going on at the time it was right before right. There's, there's a number of holidays so there was thanksgiving yep. was coming up um, so we ended up just kind of sitting around for two weeks. Um, you know, not, they literally told us do not exercise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause they don't uh, want you to like pull a muscle or something like that. huh? Right. Yeah. So there are all the kind of things that you would normally do when you get the boot camp was kind of on hold at the time that I got there. Um, so you're just sitting so, there going, well, I'm getting fat and, uh, in about two weeks, right. you guys are going to come over and destroy me. <laughs> right. And so I was, you know, I wasn't exactly an athlete in high school. I was yeah. not kind of the most in shape person. I was trying to get there. Uh, you know, I, I was part of the kind of, I think they called it the MEP program, which is kind of like before you join. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of got, I started to get into the rhythm of, of going running. And, you know, I knew that there were certain, uh, you know, bars that you had to pass in order to get to the next, to, right. to pass boot camp basically. Um, and so, you know, I remember me and my bunk mate, like after the lights went out, like doing pushups and stuff by the side of the bed, <laughs> trying not to get caught just to like do something to stay in shape yeah. uh, before the test started coming. And I ended up not really having a ton of issues with, uh, with that. The one thing I struggled with, which is one thing that's special to the Navy, I think is kind of the swim qualifications. Yeah. Um, so that's, that I struggled with a bit and, uh, you know, it was not something I was fully, I, I think I, I understood like swimming was important. Yeah. Uh, and I was, <laughs> I was a swimmer, uh, but particularly for my job, uh, anything having to do with aviation where you could at some point land in the water, you know, uh, naval reconnaissance, yeah. um, you kind of, you need to meet a second level, a second bar. So it was called the, I had to pass a second, second class swimmer qualification. Yeah. And I did not pass that my first try. <laughs> so, I would have, see, I was a smart ass. Yeah. I would have, I would have told him say, Hey, listen, if I fall out in the ocean anywhere in the ocean, I got about five minutes before hypothermia kicks in. So as long as right. I can stay afloat for five minutes, there's nothing else I need to do because <laughs> I'm dead anyways. I don't care if I can swim from the Pacific to the Atlantic. <laughs> I just, it doesn't matter. You're not going to make it. You're, yeah. But. Yeah. That, that may have been the case, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So after failing 
that qualification though, luckily it wasn't kind of a, you know, right off the bat, you know, find a new job. Um, they ended up having me kind of get up and, you know, everyone else who failed that qualification yeah. got up before everyone else, like a couple hours before go to a swim class basically where they yeah. teach you, all right, yeah. this is a breaststroke. <laughs> this is uh this is the American crawl. You need to do these perfectly. And so that's, that's the real, that was the real issue because the, you know, the basic swim qualifications, you know, can you swim from one side of the pool to the other, these basic kind of things. And yeah. the kind of second level to that is the form. And, you know, I wasn't in swim class in, in school or anything. So when they said breast, can you do a breaststroke? I was, yeah, yeah, I can do a breaststroke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, there are very specific, you know, ways in which they want you to do that, uh, to, to qualify. So that's kind of where I, you know, had to, had to pass that bar and I ended up and after every, after every morning, basically they test you and they check and they see, all right, can you pass? And I ended up not passing for about two weeks and I got up right to the very last minute where they're just like, all right, this is your final test. If you yeah. either do this or not, you know, if you can't pass this qualification, then you need to find a new job. And I passed it on the very last one. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> so yeah, that was a that was probably the scariest point in boot camp for me was just kind of, you know, you uh, possibly lose because I'd went in to boot camp thinking, all right, you know, with a very special, you know, idea in mind of like hitting this particular job that I wanted. Yeah. And uh, you know, going undesignated doesn't isn't the worst thing in the world. It's kind of an interesting opportunity to try a bunch of different things, is you know, what I've heard. And, and you do have uh, opportunities to to take on different A schools or, or things yeah. like that. But it would have been a definitely a big blow <laughs> to lose that, you know, what, what I'd planned uh, to go there for. Yeah. So were you one of the uh, the teenagers at the time or what have you that shaved your head before you went to boot camp or no? I'm trying to remember. I think I may have even had blue hair when I went. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I think I was one of those teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, know what, uh, I'm trying to imagine what would happen if I had blue hair when I went down to Paris Island. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you would, that would have stuck with you all the way through boot camp. They would have called you blueberry or something. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things I miss is the nicknames. I, I never really got a great nickname, but we had, yeah, you definitely had the kids who had oh. nicknames in boot camp and followed them all the way through. Oh yeah. What's uh -huh. the funniest thing that you remember that happened to you in boot camp? Oh man. The funniest thing. <laughs> You'd think that'd be something that'd be easier to come up with, but <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I'm, not, are... I'm like, Hey man, can you go back 17 years and think of something funny that happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny how the, the main things that stick with me is just like the, you know, the excitement at, you know, finishing something or actually completing something yep. or the, the absolute fear of <laughs> possibly failing it, <laughs> yeah. failing it. Uh, those are kind of the main things that, that stick out to me. So if you had uh, any advice out there for anybody that's thinking about going into the Navy and uh, if you had any advice to them to kind of get prepared for boot camp, I mean, going back 17 years, I'm sure boot camp's a little bit different now, but what would yeah. you, uh, what would your advice be? Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things is, you know, understanding what the qualifications that you're going to need to pass once you're there, if there are some sort of, if there's something they're going to be testing you on when you get there, you know, do whatever you can to prepare yourself for that ahead of time. Um, I think that's probably something that I could have prepared for better would be just understanding, all right, these are the tests. These are the bars you're going to need to be able to hit when you get there. And if you don't hit those bars, you only have, you know, a few chances. Um, so kind of being able to know whether you can hit that or not going in. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely people that went in to the Navy without even knowing how to swim. Yep. And, you know, you get there and you'll learn eventually, but you, <laughs> it may take you longer. And in learning how to swim in boot camp is not the best place to learn how to swim. There's much easier ways to learn. <laughs> you'll eventually get there. Yep. Um, uh, that's definitely one thing they tell us is, yeah, you either, you either get, you either get smart or you get strong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Awesome. so after boot camp, where was, uh, where did you go first? So first place from boot camp was Naval Air Candidate School in Pensacola. Um, so that's, 
Um, that was kind of a prequel to your, your A school. Yeah. That's once again, kind of just more, that was almost entirely physical again, um, mostly swimming. So that's where kind of swimming once again came back at me <laughs> and I, <laughs> where you've got to do about a, a mile swim with your flight suit on. Uh, there's a bunch of just kind of treading water yeah. uh, in the pool with boots on and a full sl- flight suit uh, until basically the instructor says you're done, uh, which I had some issues with, but I got through, um, that is actually a a school that you do with the Marine Corps. So the Marine Corps has the same, uh, air crew candidate school. So that was, that was kind of the first, my first exposure to working with Marines and, you know, we weren't expected to meet that same physical bar, but seeing, but we also had the you know, follow with them. So right. if they, when they did their PFD, we had to do it with them, even <laughs> if we weren't held to those qualifications. Uh, yep. so, <laughs> still, so I got to experience it. At what point or if any point did you decide, like, did you ever sit back and just tell, ask yourself, what the fuck did I get myself into? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you're like, you hate swimming. You know, that's what it sounds yep. like at this point in your life. You hate swimming. And then like, I'm going into the Navy. Oh, I'm doing aviation stuff. That's awesome. That's right. phenomenal stuff. Why the hell am I swimming for two years? <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I asked myself that every once in a while all the way through uh, because, you know, it's once once you get past the physical side of it, then it's kind of memorization. Uh, which was a whole nother thing that I'm not great at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you go, you, it, you go through a lot before you actually get to um, the point where you're doing something fun. Yep. Uh, you know, like that, the first time I actually got to step onto a, a plane and, you know, take off and, you know, experience that and flying with a crew and kind of the whole aviation side of things was just like, it was worth it all. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah. So I, I think it's really just kind of a, I, I think I understood once I was done with it that, you know, once you, you also kind of see that the people who aren't serious about it too, will kind of also kind of drop off. And so the, the people that you're working with are kind of excited about things in, in a different way. Yeah. And you know, kind of help each other out, get through the mental aspect of everything. Right. Right. Outstanding. So, you know, I, I think, the, you know, and others who, you know, dropped off along the way, Definitely. I'm sure they found places that there were, that there were a good fit and things that they were got, got to do things that they were interested in. Right. Um, and I think the people that were, you know, that, that really had a passion for it for the most part, you know, just stuck with it, even though, you know, it was years of doing things that <laughs> weren't necessarily interested in doing. Uh, so I gotta, I gotta ask you a question. So you, you grew up in California, then you go into the Navy and you, and you wind up, going to Florida as far as weather and culture. If I wanted to get the hell out of new England and never see snow again, should I go California or should I go Florida? I'd go Florida at this point. I mean, you've seen, (laughs) I mean, I know California is on fire, but (laughs) you're right. Yeah. Maybe 20 years ago, I would have said California and that might've been correct. But at this point, I, everyone I know is leaving California and I, I did the same. So I really wouldn't recommend anyone going back there. Okay. Florida uh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually just there. It's, it's, it's doing pretty, it's pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely too hot, but uh, yeah. Okay. So now, now you're done in Florida. Now you're done with your school. Did you ever, where, where'd you go from Florida? Yeah, well, I, I had a couple more schools in Florida. So I went to, there was a school after that, which I you know talked about a little bit. It was just kind of memorization and yep. things. And then off to the, uh, they called it the FRAC squadron, the VP30 in Jacksonville, Florida. Yep. Um, we did training and kind of, that was the first time I actually got to be on uh, a P3 uh, and experience that. Uh, from there, you know, depending on how you do in that school, you kind of get um, a choice of orders and where you want to go. So for for the uh, P3 squadrons, uh, the VP squadrons, we have them in Maine. I don't know. Actually, this is probably all changed at right. the time. <laughs> they were in Maine. They're in Jacksonville. So you can stay there. Uh, and Hawaii. I think that's... Oh, and Washington. 
Okay. So out here in Whidbey Island. Um, and so I got, I got lucky enough to kind of get my, my choice of where I wanted to go. And I clearly picked Hawaii. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know anyone else who wouldn't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd be like, all right, Florida, where I've been for a couple of years, I kind of want to get out of here. Uh, Maine it's you know, Maine is nice, but it snows and it's horrible, but especially from a California kid. And then you're going Hawaii. Right. Yeah. That's a no brainer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd actually gotten, I'd, I forgot about this. Uh, I got in a taste of Maine, uh, for Sears school. So I went there right before, uh, I left Florida at Sears school. It was just like a quick two week, two, three week course, uh, up in Brunswick, Maine. Uh, and then it was okay, off yeah. to Hawaii. So there okay. I was, I was, I was pretty glad because I also went there during the winter. I think it was December. Uh, so <laughs> I was, was very happy with my choice to not have picked <laughs> Maine at that point. Yeah. I, uh, I go, I go to Brunswick all, all the time, all the time. Like I said, I'm from New England and Mass. So I'm always yeah. up in Maine, New Hampshire and stuff like that. So yeah, I, mean, I, I hear I hear the crabbing is awesome there, which is also a thing here uh, yeah. in Washington. That's, yeah, but I think one. your guys' crabs are way bigger than ours. Are they? Yeah. I don't think I got, I wasn't uh, buying crabs at the time. I was yeah. going for the, the cheapest meal possible. when I. <laughs> well, I don't know. She just had a lot of crabs on her. I don't know what she was doing. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right. Yep. Now, I know you, you sent me some emails and stuff like that prior to the show. And you said that you uh, you went to Japan. Yeah. Did you go to Okinawa uh, or did you go to mainland? I went to Okinawa. Okay. So, so that was, you know, when I actually went out to Kanawe Bay, I joined up with VP 47 yep. and they were actually already on deployment at the time uh, uh, to Okinawa. So they were on uh, Kadena Air Base. Yeah. Um, so... I kind of missed the whole deployment sort of yep. thing. Uh, so they, my whole squadron was out there. So I actually just jumped on a plane. I showed up at the, at the Marine Corps base there. They showed me where my barracks were. And then they basically put me on a plane, uh, out to, out to Japan by myself. <laughs> uh, so this is my first time out of the country. Yep. Uh, you know, just, so you're flying the plane or you're just by your plane? No. Right? No, I'm just, they just put me on a commercial oh. flight. <laughs> I was going to say, that's really bad if they just say, Hey, here's your coordinates. That's where you're going. Have fun. <laughs> that, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, it would, they would never see me again. I would be lost in the Pacific Ocean somewhere for yeah. sure. You'd be another <laughs> Amelia. <laughs> exactly. Um, so my actual, you know, cause when I read your email, I was like, I don't know if he's talking about, Kadena as in Okinawa. Cause my first duty station was actually in camp Hanson, Okinawa for two years. Ah, okay. So I just want to let you in the chow hall. I mean, uh-huh. at least we called at, at, uh, Kadena, we called it Kadenis. Did you ever hear uh, that? No. Was it not good? No, it was wonderful because, oh, okay. you know, I'm a Marine, I'm up in camp Hanson. So you go to our chow hall or something like that. And it's, it's kind of like old school school. You know what I mean? You put your tray down and they just give you slop and that's it. You don't really get a choice. Right. So then you go down to Kadena, Kadenis and Kadena air base and you go in there and you get, you tell them what you want and they make it for you right there kind of thing. And then like you get to leave your plate there at the chow hall and you know, the Japanese or Okinawa woman would come over and pick up your, your plates and everything else. So every, at least through the Marine Corps, we used to call it Kadenis. That's awesome. That I don't know. I I must have experienced that, but I don't even remember. I I think the reason I didn't is because we had like a little like you dunk on the on the flight line there. Yep. So I would basically go there. I probably missed all of this because I'm just I was just some dumb airman who just showed up there and I'm just like, all right, well, I I I'm they're not telling me where to get food anymore. So I'm just this place that's on the flight line. I'm just gonna go there. And uh we would go off base and things. So that was kind of my first experience, like going out in another country. And so I, I definitely remember those meals, like getting yeah. the Kobe steak out, yeah. you know, yeah. out in town yeah. and things. Taco rice and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tacos in Japan were yeah. one of the most interesting experiences. <laughs> I, I don't know what that was. Yeah. I don't know. And that's why I tell my wife all the time, you know, uh, I met my wife after I got out of Cornell. And, uh, mm-hmm. I make taco rice and cheese at home now, even though I, I left, uh. 
I left Okinawa in 2007. I still, you know, 13 years later, I'm still making taco rice and cheese at my house and everything else. My wife's like, why do you like it so much? I was like, you know, I tell all the times, like, you, you'd be surprised when you go to Okinawa, a lot of it's tacos. It's, yeah. it's taco rice and cheese, king taco. You know, it's it's all that simple, easy stuff for them to make and a bunch of rice. But, right. Yeah, it's <laughs> that, good. It was it was a shock to me. But then, uh, like I said, I was up at Camp Hansen and... Uh, Kinville. I don't know if you ever, if you remember that, but Kinville was a little area right outside of our base. And we, everybody, mm-hmm. we used to call it Sinville. Uh, but I don't know if you actually went up because it was up more Northern up on the Island than it was down there at Kadena. Yeah. I didn't get too far because it's, you know, you had your, uh, you know, you had to be back in your barracks by a certain time. I was kind of on the, on the young side there. So there was also some incidents that had happened out in time in town, like right before I'd gotten there. So they were yeah. on like pretty strict, like lockdown. So the fact we were, I think once I got there, they had just kind of started opening it up to allow anyone to go out at all. Yeah. And, and we were also on deployment, uh, technically. So, um, so I got to was, go there in a fun time pretty much. Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was still some fun that we had when I went there. Another thing I wasn't, I wasn't drinking at that time either. So I was kind of going oh, out wow. with friends and kind of experiencing the bars as a sober guy <laughs> entirely. Wow. And I'm, I'm glad I was because that's, <laughs> that's, I, I had people got in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was one of them. I, uh, I got in some trouble out there. My top yeah. actually forced me to go to AA, but. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I was like, you know, you're on an Island, 62 miles long, 54 miles wide. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? Right, you right. know, I mean, the water is gorgeous. I mean, I got my dive license when I was out there so I can go diving anywhere, you know? That's awesome. So I, I did a lot of diving out there and stuff, but uh, yeah, yeah, I got into the alcohol pretty good out there, which actually changed me who I am today because I went over to Okinawa able to drink a beer. I yeah. left Okinawa not able to stomach a beer. Oh, really? Yeah, because uh, I don't know when it, back in 03 or whatnot or probably you had to been there around the same time as me, but, um, a Budweiser would actually cost you like $7 for a can of Budweiser. Yep. You know, so I, I was it. drinking nothing but vodka and Red Bull the whole time <laughs> I was out there. Cause that was three twenty five, And I was like, you know, and then when, uh, when money was really tight, we just got me and my buddy would just get a bunch of that box wine stuff for like $2. We would just get like 15 of them and just drink them all in one night. Be like, all right. <laughs> you know, yeah, I think I was paying maybe a dollar for soda or something like that. And yeah. just trying to keep up with my friends who were dragging me around. But yeah. One, yeah. one thing I remember is the bars there were amazing because uh, we would go to this one all the time. The music was awesome. There was this, <laughs> there's one bar. I don't remember. It was called like the cellar door or something, but the, the owner was just this guy who played the drums and like, he liked like 1960s American music. Yeah. And so they would play, he'd be playing like Jimi Hendrix and the doors every oh, single perfect. night. Yep. We'd, we'd go there and just like watch this guy just, just wail on the drums. He was, <laughs> it was awesome. And uh, so we, that was kind of the number one spot to go for us. And <laughs> <laughs> Did you- I, I don't remember. I don't remember what the cost of the drinks were because like I said, my friends were <laughs> mostly doing that and I was just trying to make sure they didn't get into too much trouble. So here's the the question I have to ask anybody that's ever been to Okinawa, especially military. Um, the banana show. Did you see it? No, I've heard stories. <laughs> I did not. I unfortunately did. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. And then, and I found out I found out real quick why they force you to buy a drink before the show starts. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Was yeah. that a particular was there a particular like buy me drinky bar that that happened? No, this at, was, was uh that? it wasn't even a buy me drinky bar. This was just like uh, on a stage. Like this is all this girl uh, does. You know what I mean? Like Oh. You know, my grandfather probably seen the same girl do it, you know. Right. Right. Yeah, so that's <laughs> It's gross. Just didn't wander, didn't yeah. wander into the right stage because yeah, it's no. Definitely I definitely got. So we kind of like my unit. I was at third meth, third MHG, and uh, my unit was kind of like, uh, you know, when we first get there as a marine, it was like uh, I don't remember the exact days, but I think it was either thirty or sixty days. You kind of had to wear a white shirt or something like that, and uh, you couldn't go off base because, like, you know, right. you're you're new, you don't know their laws yet out there. 
stuff like right. that. They drive on the wrong side of the road and everything else. And you don't get oh, to have yeah. your license anyways until you're an NCO. Um, so once you pick up NCO, then I got my license, but before that you can't, you know, you have to be back by midnight, all this, all these restrictions on you. You know what I mean? You can, you can go out and drink all day, come back on base at midnight and then go to the e-club and keep drinking. Right. But they just wanted everybody back on base unless you had a gold card. Um, but yeah, I just, it's one of those things when, uh, whenever you get to get out of that white shirt and your first night out there, one of your NCOs or something like that will take you, you know, he'd kind of come up to you and say, Hey, Lance Corporal or, you know, PFC or whatever you are. He's like, you know, come with me. I'm going to show you a couple places out in town where to go, where not to go. And that's usually the first place they bring you. Right. So you're kind of, <laughs> you're kind of forced into it. Cause you know, you hear stories, but then you're like, no, I don't think he's going to bring, if it's that gross, he's not going to bring me and, then, <laughs> <laughs> and they bring you. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, the the Navy at that time was at such a weird kind of transitional period too, where there was this kind of zero tolerance sort of thing. They they scared the hell out of you, but at the same time, all the old, you know, <laughs> you know, there there's still kind of that undercurrent of you know, you know, it's the Navy, and yeah. <laughs> and there's, you know, there's what? there's things like that going on. But well, they didn't they, want you to look like the Marine Corps going out there and. <laughs> making a fool of yourself <laughs> right like my, yeah. bu- my buddy it sounds like for you also was that your kind of like full duty station were you there for like a few years yep two years i was there from 05 okay. to 07 yeah yeah and i think part of it for us was just like you guys aren't supposed to be having fun you're on deployment like we had yeah. a part of it was like we had a split detachment so we had some of our uh squadrons were or our detachments were in okinawa and the others were like out in the middle east like oh, yeah. in the suck, yeah. doing not so fun thing. So there's always this kind of like undercurrent of like, well, while well, you're, you're enjoying life here, but you're going to be out there pretty soon. And they're the ones <laughs> doing the real work. So you guys should be studying. You should be doing, <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It's a duty station. I mean, unfortunately, so if you get orders for Okinawa, like when, you get, when I get, you know, you get boot, you go to boot camp, go to MCT, then you go to your MOS school and then, you know, first orders, boom, Okinawa. They ask you, you know, are, if, if you're married, you can take your, your, your wife and your kids over there, but now you're over there for three years right off the right. rip. But uh, when I went over there, I was the only one over the age of 21. So I was the only one in my unit that actually had a hazmat and ammo license and stuff like that to transport all that, the explosives and stuff. So I ended up get kind of hoard around a little bit. I went to like, uh, you know, Korea, South Korea and stuff like that, mainland Japan. So I went all awesome. all over the place, Thailand and uh or not Thailand, Philippines, I mean. So I got to see a lot of a lot of stuff when I was o- over there for 2 years. Yeah, that's it's it's there's a, there's a lot of yeah, great places in that kind of in that area that yeah. you know, like you're saying South Korea and Japan and that's that's real awesome that had that opportunity because yeah, I think on my first deployment, I got to see more of that. Uh, you know, there was a little bit more of kind of jumping around, yeah. uh, you know, and then the second deployment was, that was the one that was just like fully, we're the first uh, VP squadron that was deployed to Iraq uh, as our kind of main detachment. So we were there basically the whole six, seven months. Right. Uh, it, was, it was either there or IUD'd. So yeah, and I you think- went over there kind of. So you went over there probably what 2004 or something like that, right? 2004, 2005 went to Iraq. Yeah, uh, 2006. 2006. That's when I yeah, that's when I finally made it uh, to VP 47. Yeah, so I was in school the whole time before that, so it was a good you know two years of of school. I couldn't do two years of school. Yeah. It, <laughs> well. One part of it too, that, that was really rough is, so I was saying, you know, a lot of people were joining the Navy at the time, yep. uh, you know, I, that was kind of the thing to do. And I think, you know, I definitely wasn't the only one. So there was this kind of like rush of training and things and there was, so the Navy was trying to kind of catch up. So there was a lot of backlog. So I spent a lot of that kind of two years of my training was just waiting the class up. Right. So I would get to one school 
and then be like, all right, well, hang out here and, you know, do, you know, do something. So they'd, they'd find jobs for you. I'd be in second Lieutenant, like cleaning toilets or something for a few months or, you know, whatever you had to do. Whatever you had to do. Yeah. Just, yeah. For a few months before, you know, that your class started and then you're kind of doing that, you're studying, you're learning that, and then it's on to the next, on to the next class. Wow. Uh, so they're, they're definitely, you know, you're, you're doing something the whole time, but you're not necessarily, you know, moving through the training curriculum. Um, so I think if I were to actually like condense it down to what I was, you know, the passing the classes that I actually needed to, it probably would have only been a, a year. So there was a lot of just kind of like waiting for things to happen kind of built into that. Right. Um, well, not only yeah. that, you're going to be responsible for some, uh, high, high dollar, high value equipment. So I right. guess, I guess, you know, schooling is, is, is a good thing. Right. Yeah. And that's one thing that I, I really wish transferred more over to, you know, once I got out, yep. all of that, you know, two years of school ends up being a credit and a half of, of <laughs> physical training credits that you get on your college transcript. It's yeah. just still one of those things that kind of like sticks in my craw yeah. <laughs> about the whole college experience afterwards. It just didn't seem right. <laughs> yeah. I, man, I don't know. I can't, I kind of actually, not school wise, but when I got out of Marine Corps, I came home back to Massachusetts and I went to go buy a rifle and they said I needed a license to carry. Oh, that must have been. And I was said, wait a minute, they didn't give me a license to carry in boot camp. They said, this is your M16. <laughs> you <Right>. know? <laughs> but I just, uh, I, you know, for me, I've never made it, I wasn't never uh, a school kind of guy, more hands on kind of stuff. But so. Right. You've been Iraq, you've been, I think you said you went Guam too. Yeah. Guam was just kind of a, kind of a, did a couple of training exercises with the crew. Okay. Um, my first deployment there. So I was there for a couple of weeks and mostly just kind of taking flights and then, you know, on the off time, if you had like a night or something like that, going out and seeing the town a little bit, but not a bunch. Right. So. That's kind of one thing about the Navy experiences. You go to a bunch of places, but you're not there for a long period necessarily. Like you kind of fly in with your crew. Yep. You've got something that you've got to do. And maybe you've got like one or two nights where you actually have off and you can kind of see the area a little bit. So I've got a bunch of like places I've been, but I haven't, I wouldn't necessarily say I've like really, if I went back to Guam, would I know where to go? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you ever go back to Guam? Or would you go back to any of the countries that you've been or places that you've been to? Yeah, that's I uh, probably my favorite place. This is another place that I, I didn't get to spend a bunch of time uh, was uh, Siganella, the Naval Air Station Siganella, which is in Sicily. Um, that was that was a beautiful town. Uh, just kind of getting off base to see that was a lot of fun. Kind of just that was also a lot of fun just being in a car with a bunch of, you know, my crewmates driving around and trying to figure out where the heck we're going, driving down these <laughs> kind of Italian roadways that, yep. you know, we get blocked in the road by a, by some sheep going across and a shepherd <laughs> is taking, and we're just like, Hey, where, how do we get back to the base? Where are we? <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of in the days before the iPhone, you didn't have really GPS. You're just kind of trying to find your way around. Oh yeah. Uh, that was a fun place to be for sure. Uh, that's, that's one place I'd like to go back and I haven't yet. What's the, the uh, I don't want, I don't want to say biggest, but I was going to say the most like wow factor plane you ever flew. Well, really I'm trying to think if I've ever been on any other military aircraft other than the P3C. I think that's, I never even flew on a C-130. <laughs> wow. So yeah. Well, you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we did have some, some people that got, you know, when we're being deployed that, uh, kind of flew out on, on, uh, on the C-130. I think we, I got lucky enough to be on a crew that was kind of one of the earliest crews going out there. So it was going that kind of get things set up. So we flew our, our P3 all the way out. Um, the only other thing would be like maybe, a you know, a flight on a 737 somewhere you know, to right. get to another area. Uh, so yeah, the whole time for me, it was, it was P3s the whole way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So everywhere that you've been, like in the countries and the places that you've been, what, was there anything that you found like that country doing that you're saying, wow, you know, we should, 
do that here in America? Mm. Huh. Like driving on the other side of the road, maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that was an interesting experience. I wouldn't necessarily wouldn't say we should do that. Uh, that's an, that's interesting though. Um, one thing I, I thought was interesting about Spain, um, when I was there for just a little bit was, you know, the atmosphere, uh, at night and like kind of, I don't know if it's necessarily the right thing to do, but it's, it seems, you know, there was, it was, I remember being there at like midnight and there's kind of families out at night. Everyone's kind of enjoying the warm nights and, yeah. uh, it, you know, it seemed like there was a lot more activity and thing. It was a, it was more of a family atmosphere. It wasn't like you go out at night, you know, it's even worse these days now in Portland and Seattle and that, yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. That's uh, yeah that's... <laughs> they, they could definitely learn something from the Spanish. Um, but just, you know, it, that kind of, you know, the way that they, you know, approach life. Um, okay. I, I thought that was, that was, that was interesting. Okay. Um, I'm sure there's plenty more that just aren't coming to me now. Yeah. My biggest thing, if I were to uh, say anything was, I don't know if you remember, because like you said, you were a short time or, or whatnot in Okinawa, Japan, they had um, these teardrop bumper stickers on a car. Half of it was ah. green, half of it was yellow. And when it was a teardrop on the bumper of the car, that would signify to everybody else on the road that they've only had their driver's license for less than a year. Okay. And then once they hit a certain age, they flip the teardrop around up. So now it's like a hot air balloon kind of going up. And that tells uh-huh. you they're older than a certain age. So it kind of gives everybody on the road like watch out for these people. You know, they might not know what they're doing or they might not know they're driving. You know, wow. kind of thing. Yeah. So that was. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. I feel like I've seen that here. Maybe even, I wonder if some people kind of are adopting that because there's not necessarily anything that would prevent you from doing that. You know, nope. if you wanted to give people a, yeah. a signal. But I'm thinking, you know, that might be a nice awareness thing out there to just throw out there. And, but I mean, I can throw a bumper sticker on my car and everybody would be like, what the hell is that? Cause nobody understands right. what it's for, you know? Right. But, yeah. Um, I do see sometimes around here kind of student driver and I, and I look at them as I'm passing, I'm thinking, I don't know if they're necessarily a student. They don't look that young. Maybe it's their kid's car. <laughs> Maybe they put it on there for when they're driving with their kid. Yeah. But that is definitely one thing that makes people kind of look out for you. Yeah. So anyone could put that on their car and kind of probably get the similar, <laughs> yeah. similar results. So like I said before, we talked a little bit together uh, via email prior to the show. And you're developing, I don't know what how you would say this because... You know, I'm a Marine and education only goes as far as the crown. Um, <laughs> do you develop, do you engineer or, you know, what do you call it that the app that you, you're running, the podcast app that you're running? I want to talk yeah, about guess, that. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah. yeah, I call it developed. Um, so, yeah, we're basically released uh, a podcast app where you could listen to a podcast just like this one. Yep. Uh, it's, it's called Hypercatcher. Um, you can find it on hypercatcher.com. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's just a podcast app, um, that, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of built it out just cause I, I've been listening to podcasts a long time. Um, since kind of, I was one of the, that's actually something that I used to, I used to do on flights. You know, one of the things about the P3 is that it can fly for many hours. So we would have flights that would go, you know, over eight hours sometimes, and you've got to do something when you're there. So, you know, in the early days of the iPod, I would just kind of bring, uh, my favorite show back then was actually, uh, with Adam Carolla love line. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but, nope. <laughs> uh, <the old laughs> it's a, it was an old, kind of question answer show with, uh, with Adam Carolla, uh, they used to do on MTV, but they also had kind of a radio show as well. And just, you know, listeners would call in with questions for Dr. Drew and Adam would make fun of them basically. And (laughs) I would have, I went online and I downloaded like hours of that and I would bring it with me on, on deployment and I would have something to listen to on these really long flights. Um, and so you know, that's, that was kind of my first, ex- it wasn't podcasting then, but it's right. basically the same thing. A podcast is just, uh, an RSS feed with links to these MP3 files that you download. Right. And any, one of the cool things about podcasting is anyone can write an app for it. So, you know, most people use the app that comes with 
you can download it for your iPhone. Apple has their own podcast app. Um, yeah. a really popular one is, uh, overcast. Um, and so all mine, my podcast app does the same thing as those, but it has a couple of extra features, um, that allow you to, for podcasters specifically, if to add some additional features to their, to their podcast, so you can actually integrate videos and images and websites oh, wow. even. So then if you had like, say a newsletter or something you want people to subscribe to, they could, you could kind of inject that into your podcast and it would kind of show up on the screen for users when they open. So right now you see like podcast notes. Uh, when you see any podcast, every podcast has podcast notes that go along yeah. with the episode. Um, so it just kind of adds on to that and gives you some additional you know, tools to communicate with the audience. And I, it's something that I kind of put together because it's something that I would like to have. There's definitely podcasts I've listened to and they mention something and then I think, I'd really like to see a picture. I'd like to watch that video or something. Right. I've got to go searching for it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely a pain in in the rear when uh, you know self like even with me like right now. So like you know like I'm an ambassador for Mission 22 now, and we got all these crazy upcoming events. And your app sounds perfect where I can just throw the whole month up there, and people can just click on it right away. As because right. right now you're going to listen to my podcast and you got to go down into my show notes and you got to click on the link that brings you there, you know, and a lot right. of times people are listening to it in a car too. But I think what you're doing is I've taken a look at your app. I like it. I like what awesome. you're, what you're doing. You. I think keep going with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely have some work to do to make it, you know, <laughs> to make it more accessible and kind of, uh, bring some of these features to the forefront because, yeah. Uh, you know, not everyone knows how to integrate those. It takes a little bit of extra work to kind of get those kind of advanced features, like integrating a website into your podcast, that sort of thing. So that's making those sorts of things easier is one of the things that I'm working on now. And as you know, there's going to be updates and a lot, a lot of things coming soon. So I'm excited about it. Well, I like it already. I like the way it, uh, it looks, uh, I don't want to say feel. I don't think feels the right <laughs> word because <laughs> I don't feel it through the phone, but I like the way it works. It looks, it definitely, um, like I said, I only, my knowledge of things only goes about as far as the crown can go. So, I mean, your app looks pretty simple. It looks pretty simple to use. And, you know, as a user, as a podcaster, it looks pretty, pretty easy. So I definitely suggest awesome. it. I'll put a link for your pod, your, uh, your app right in my, in my show notes there and people awesome. can download it, whatever. It. Yeah. Whatever they have Apple or, if they're smart, they have Samsung. Um. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, right. That's another thing is that I'm, I'm only an iOS developer at this point. There are, I do hope to have a uh, Android app coming soon, but right now it's a uh, iOS only. Yep. Yeah. I know. I was looking at that. I was like, okay, well, it'll come. Yeah. It'll come. I'm waiting for it. That's another one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for it. Yeah, do you got any any questions for me or anything before we uh, we end the show here with the Mission Twenty Two news? Uh, do you have any uh, anything in the bank for podcasts coming up soon? Uh, well, this one, uh, <laughs> and I and I got uh, one other another person that uh, I'm going to have an interview with, and then I got one other person that kind of did me an e- sent me an email, and uh, I, I you actually use this this calendary thing. Um, yeah. to set this up. And I actually like that. So I actually just, I took that idea and I'm, I'm rolling with it now going forward. Awesome. It's a lot easier than trying to talk to you and two other people and like set up times and remember times and zoom meetings and everything yeah. else. So I actually took that. And, uh, so yeah, hopefully I get a couple more in here and hopefully I can just keep them coming. And, uh, hopefully you had fun at the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've really been, I've been listening back to some of the old episodes, like I said, so I've got a little bit to catch up on Yep. and uh, I'm looking forward to what you've got coming up too. So outstanding plan on following it. <laughs> so mission 22 uh, listeners go out there, mission 22.com. Like I said, it, there's going to be a link in my show. Um, all kinds of events coming up. Uh, COVID-19 is not going to hold mission 22 down. Uh, we still have a mission to do. We still got to, uh, fix the an American issue of our American vets committing suicide. Um, so like one of the events is coming up is actually this Saturday. It's actually in Connecticut right next to me and it's the 22 hike for 22. So I'll be going to that on Saturday, but if you're out there, um, if you're near a computer, go to mission 22.com and look at 
they're all over the place. I was gonna, I was actually thinking about naming off all the events that are coming up, but uh, I think that would be another 15 minutes of podcast for doing that. <laughs> but so go on there, take a look at it. Mission 22. Um, you don't have to be a vet to do any of these to show your support or anything like that. Just go out there. And uh, if you are a veteran out there and you, you need somebody to talk to, I'm always available at it's American vet podcast at yahoo.com. Um, Mission 22 is available at 1-800-273-8255 and just hit the option one. Or you can just text them if uh, if you're in a crowded place and you're, you know, and you're not feeling good, you can just text them at 838-255 and somebody will get a hold of you. And it goes to your family members too. Any family members out there that's got a loved one going through some hard times or, or they think they might be going through hard times and you just kind of want to reach out and get some advice or some answers uh, before it's too late. Uh, once again, it's 1-800-273-8255, option one, or you can text them at 838-255. Dave, I want to say thank you for this show. This was fun. Um, you're more than welcome to come back on again uh, as your app gets more updated or if you just want to hang out again. It was fun. I mean, I know you're in Washington. I'm in, I'm in uh, Massachusetts, but... Uh, or you're in Washington state, I should say, because now people are thinking you're going to be some type of political man, but, uh, <laughs> you're awesome. over there. Yeah. So I, I had a lot of fun too. I really appreciate it. And yeah, love everything you're doing with this podcast too. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks. Help get the word out there. Listeners stay tuned for the outro. Dave, thanks again. Thanks for serving. Thanks for, uh, going to all the places and doing all and getting through all that swimming. I mean, through all that swimming and uh, much better swimmer now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> better place than you were before you joined. I hope no regrets or anything like that. Right. Absolutely. All right. So stay tuned for the outro. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much prospered as no other people on earth. It was because here in this land, we unleash the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom.